Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. Today we're having a very serious discussion on the current goings on in the world and my thoughts on them, and then I'm going to relate them to the horse world and talk about some of the problems there. So obviously, unless you've been living in a box, I'm sure you've heard of the Black Lives Matter movement, along with all the stories of police brutality that have been occurring recently, as well as over the course of years. And if you haven't heard about these, I highly recommend looking into it, getting educated, and also looking into the history of slavery and abuse from that along with the abuse that we have done to natives and how we actually settled on the land that we all currently live on and enjoy. Much of these things were not taught in school. Like in Canada, we learned about it, but they kind of glossed over like the whole native situation. They didn't tell how much genocide was committed. And we also kind of, they glossed over how we got the land. It was like, oh, they came to an agreement and they gave us certain pieces of land when really it was white people were an invasive species that came to North America and robbed the native people of their land using language they didn't understand and creating treaties that they had no idea what the concept was. So you get the point of where I'm going. There is things in that we have pur- purposely either left out of history or adjusted to sound softer because we don't want to vilify what the settlers initially did or what white people initially did when slavery was occurring as well as afterwards. And this is just essentially to make people comfortable and not force them to relive the past and look back and feel guilty about it, which is stupid because then we continue to repeat the past over and over again. And I don't think that we should be given a free pass on just going about our business, not being conscious of racism and how it still exists when we already have done enough damage and committed enough horrors to get to where we are today. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. And then hopefully it'll give some people food for thought if they're not like on board with the Black Lives Matter movement or they think it's unnecessary or they don't think police brutality is a problem and so on and so forth. So honestly, I think my anger towards how certain people have handled the Black Lives Matter movement and how they've spoken out against it or have been completely silent, I think my anger is greater than it would be if I was in a less whitewashed and elitist industry. The horse industry is largely filled with white people, and generally speaking, there is a certain amount of wealth required to participate, especially at higher levels. So this meant that like many of the people I respected as equine influencers or professional riders or trainers, a lot of them really disappointed me in how they chose to handle this movement. A lot of companies, people, and yeah, influencers just chose not to talk about this at all, or they only said something after they were heavily pressured by their audience to do so. And while it's not like a bad thing that they decided to post after, it's a little disingenuine because they basically did it just to appease the audience rather than actually caring about it. And I also found that like when people were called out on their silence or doing things like posting on Blackout Tuesday, when it was literally like one day that they could have just not posted for, or at least if you're going to post, like address the situation, a lot of people when they're put in that position where they're called out on racial insensitivity or even direct racism, they victimize themselves and they turn the situation around to being about them. They'll talk about it like, oh, why would you think that about me? Like, obviously I'm not racist. I'm just busy working and I have so many jobs and I don't want to, I don't want to take a stand on politics, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know this existed. And they'll make like a ton of excuses. And it, should just boil down to the fact that if you're called out on something being insensitive, if you actually genuinely care about the problem and it's something that upsets you, you should be able to be like, shoot, like, I'm sorry that I posted about myself and made Blackout Tuesday about myself, or I'm sorry about my insensitivity in this comment I made and I'll do better next time. It shouldn't be a circular situation where the the person who's called out on their behavior tries to become the victim and make the person who does the calling out feel guilty for trying to put them in their place over doing something that's not like okay you know like it like people work so hard to be the victim and it becomes really annoying because m- the vast majority of these people doing so are people that actively benefit from white privilege so then If they're not even using that privilege for good and if they have built these large platforms online or in real life, but they don't use it to promote, 
like good ideas and diversity and equal treatment of everyone it just comes off as so insincere and gross like the sheer number of instagram accounts that i have seen that pose as like mental health advocates and like people who represent kindness and good treatment of others and love everyone and make sure you're good to yourself and they'll post like all of these inspirational things but then they're radio silent when people are protesting racial rights or they'll do really crappy insensitive things like comparing like like horse colors to race race rights and being like i like all horse colors or saying things like all lives matter which at its root all lives matter just intends to derail the legitimacy of these racial rights movements because Everyone knows that all lives matter, but in saying all lives matter, you're implying that all lives are equally at risk when there's a clear disproportionate discrimination towards people of color that exists and has been prevalent in society for centuries. So it's it's an attempt to derail the movement and kind of make it about yourself again, because it's like saying, like, I don't want my ethnicity to not be included in some in this even though it doesn't actually affect me in the same way so they try to make it about themselves again and it's all kind of a manipulation tactic i think to weasel their way out of any accountability and not have to acknowledge the discomfort of the systemic racism that our society has and it's a cop-out like they don't want to address their behavior they don't want to address the situation and they want to try to be impartial which isn't good The thing is, like, being impartial is okay in some situations, but you can't be impartial in an ethical issue like this. You're either racist or you're not. And if you're not being actively anti-racist and calling out racist behaviors and advocating for equality, especially during a movement like this, like, it, this movement has caught fire around the world and it's spreading. So you either join it or you're complicit in the actions of racists, whether or not you directly participate in that behavior because you're choosing to be silent. And anyone who was okay with making the situation online about them when we were posting a lot about this, especially on Blackout Tuesday, that's when I noticed most of these problems. And obviously still now there's people that still haven't addressed it, but that's a different story. When they make it about themselves they can't separate the the fact that the issue exists from them being involved in said issue because silence helps the oppressors. If you're standing, like I'll reference it at school, like if you're with a group of friends in school and someone starts bullying you and your friends just stand there and listen, I'm sure you'd feel pretty shitty about the situation. And that's like such a minor comparison in when you look at it compared to systemic racism so if you're that person who's standing silently when the bullies are bullying others you're helping the bully and whether you join in on the bullying yourself or not the bullies assume that your silence is you agreeing with them because if you didn't have an issue with their behavior you shouldn't stand idly by and just watch it happen And the thing with these influencers that bothers me the most is that most of us have some form of privilege, maybe like our skin color, like our financial background or all of the above. And then they also have these platforms on which they can reach a huge variety of people. So what's the point in having a platform if you're only using it to promote yourself and just get like love and attention for yourself, you know, like you're building a platform of mindless minions then and you're not using it to discuss the problems that matter. And this is this doesn't mean that you can't post and advertise for yourself because social media at its heart is superficial. But I just don't understand building these massive followings and then using them for nothing. Like you're not doing anything good with them. So that's where it bothers me. And I think that people need to demand more from their influencers as well as the companies they shop at and the trainers that they support and whatnot. Like you, you can't separate the fact that if someone has to get bullied into saying that they don't agree with racism, that they probably don't care that much. And at this point like this has been going on for so long and it's been so in the news that like I don't think people can realistically say that they haven't heard that this is going on because they'd have to be super ignorant and I refuse to 
to believe that even like anyone, even if they only used Instagram or Facebook, the odds of a post regarding this movement and what's going on not coming across their newsfeed is is so few and far between that it's not even worth considering. But that's the thing. Like, I think we need to start recognizing these behaviors where people victimize themselves when they're called out or when they try to weasel out of accountability in any way or when they try to just say that they don't want to take a side the worst part is like the people that say like oh like there's two sides to everything or like I don't want to get involved in politics and those are also superficial excuses because also yes there's two sides to everything but in an argument about racial equality you're either on the right side or you're a racist because if you don't think that it's something that needs to be talked about then you're okay with equality never happening and that's pretty shitty because you're saying this doesn't affect me so I don't care about those people so yeah there's two opinions but one is completely wrong so yeah And like I said, I think we see these behaviors, like the self-congratulatory, like, look at me, give me your attention, I'm the victim here. These behaviors, we see the most in the horse world, or we're seeing, not the most, we see them at a greater rate than you might elsewhere because of the level of privilege and the lack of diversity in ethnicity in the horse world. There's not as many people to advocate for people of color in the horse world because we're all white here. Like I'm half black, but like I look white. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the crowd of white faces in the horse world. So the problem is that if you're in a place like this, where it's so whitewashed, the importance of speaking out and taking a firm stance and using your platform to educate is even greater because you can't rely on people of color to do it on their own. You need to use your platforms to amplify their voices and also take a firm stance and say, hey guys, this is not what I stand for. And as an influencer, you have even more power because you have fans that respect what you say. So if you choose not to use that voice in an attempt to educate and make the world better, it's just also selfish. And I personally think people should be choosing their influencers based off of their character and more than just like how good of a rider they are and whatnot. And I also think that in any case, like even with celebrities and whatnot, there's certain things that you can't just like be impartial to that you need to speak out on. And I frankly think it's stupid that people are told that they can't use their platforms to discuss certain things because it's not their place. Equality and good treatment of other people is everyone's place to discuss. So kind of going to circle back to the horse world then and why this is so relevant in the horse world. And my problem with this is it is getting better in recent years, but the lack of representation in equestrian models and so on and so forth, like it's not good. Most of our models are very thin. They have like a certain type. They're usually blonde, white, blue eyes. And There's some companies that are doing more diverse photos, but as a general rule, if you flip through equestrian magazines, there's a there's a definitive trend in the models they use. And the problem with this is that if you're a young kid of color that is growing up and wants to be a rider and you're looking at all of the models in your horse magazines, all the characters in your favorite books or movies, as well as your favorite professional riders and just the people you see on TV competing in the sport you want to do, it's pretty discouraging to not see anyone who looks like you. And then on top of that, when you go to shows, there is blatant racism occurring. And a lot of people who are white will claim they will they don't see this. There is a woman who is quite famous in the horse world that did an article in Chronicle of the Horse recently claiming she's never seen racism occur and that she hires people of color and blah, 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 which frankly is a load of shit. The reason why you don't see racism not... The reason why you don't see racism occurring as a white person is because you're not looking for it and because you've grown so accustomed to it occurring in such a frequency that you don't even notice anymore. So I believe people when they say that they don't see it occurring, but that doesn't mean it doesn't occur. And it's pretty loaded as someone who doesn't experience said discrimination to claim that they are the authority on whether or not it exists. So it's fine if you haven't seen it exist. It's fine if you haven't seen blatant racism in the horse world, but instead of claiming it doesn't exist and trying to talk over the people who experience it, I highly recommend actually listening to people and hearing their stories and their struggles and then going and educating yourself further and learning how you can help make up for that. And this isn't to say like, Like a lot of people view white privilege as being told that their life is easy and they haven't had to work for anything. White privilege has nothing to do with how rich you are or how hard you work. It's strictly related to the color of your skin and the different treatment you receive because of it. And 
that's something that people also need to educate themselves further on. And they also need to realize that it's not the job of people of color to educate them. They should be doing it themselves. And it becomes exhausting for people of color to educate white people because of how frequently they victimize themselves or guilt trip or try to get like the people of color to basically be like, it's okay, like, don't feel bad type thing and just let them off the hook for it. That gets exhausting because then you're having to deal with their supposed trauma to you informing them about systemic racism. So it it's the job of the people to educate themselves. If you're not affected by something, you need to educate yourself on how you can stop it. And for everyone in the horse world that claims to care about mental health and well-being of others, they're full of shit if they're not willing to join in and advocate for racial rights. Like, straight up, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to see more diversity and representation in the sport and make it a safer place for everybody. Um, and I don't see why people are so bent on trying to insist that racism doesn't exist here just because they haven't personally seen it. I think it's very loaded. And then the other thing that you see people doing, I've seen lots of horse people do this, where they'll find like the one token black person that agrees with their views and says that racism doesn't exist and Black Lives Matter is stupid, like Candace Owens. They'll find that one person and then they'll use them as a voice for all black people. And they'll be like, see guys, racism doesn't exist. This one black person that probably profits off of saying this bullshit said it said so but then the same people are like not all cops not all cops are bad but they're literally doing hey this woman speaks for all black people they're doing the same thing so <laughs> like it, it's just i see right through it they have these tactics that they use to try to weasel out of responsibility and it's very tiresome so we see lack of representation in the horse world and discrimination towards people of different sizes, different races, different genders, different sexual orientations. There's just a lot of conservatism and discrimination that stems from that. And in pushing for equal racial rights and treatment of others and addressing the racism and lack of representation in the horse world, we can help address the lack of representation in other areas other than just race. Because the other issue is that the horse world is largely inaccessible from a financial perspective. And this doesn't even mean that everyone in the horse world needs to be able to afford to buy a horse and whatnot. But attending shows is like a very privileged thing to be able to do, especially at a rated level. Like horse people have such a skewed idea of finances because they gen like lots of them genuinely think it's normal for families to be able to afford to drop like $1,500 to send them to a rated show for a week. And they also think it's normal to be able to drop like 10 grand or more on a horse and 10 grand's like on the low end of show horse costs at a time and easily be able to do so and then continue on to showing and whatnot. And you also see it in people trying to justify the fact that they do not have privilege or that they're not financially well off, but then they fail to realize that things like trust funds or having your university paid in full by your parents and all of those things, those aren't, those are privileges that people take for granted. Like not everyone has a university fund. I don't, I have to go through student loans and even having the ability to do things like working student positions to gain experience and get like free lessons. If you can do an unpaid position where you just go and work and get lessons in return, you have the luxury of not needing another job to be able to afford to live. So it all comes down to people not necessarily realizing the reality of money and like the situations that other people are in. And like horses are expensive. I will agree with that, but it doesn't mean that we need to make the show industry so inaccessible to the point where like even people who are technically middle class would struggle to afford an extra $1,500 a month to show on the circuit and then when you look at like the winter circuits that are weeks long and people go to them for like a month at a time and spend tens of thousands of dollars stuff like that is not normal like that's not a normal budget and it's not even like oh we save for like a vacation and do this once no if you're showing throughout the year on the rated show circuit there is an aspect of privilege that needs to be recognized it's very expensive and people will try to downplay it to being like oh you just need to work hard to achieve this but like to you working hard might be doing your working student position and working off your lessons and maybe you're putting in 12 hours days and I'm sure it's hard but 
you still have a place to go home to. You can eat. You can afford your horse if you have one without having to get money for it. You might even have a fallback option for going to school because you have a university fund. Or at the bare minimum, you know that if this working student position doesn't work out, you generally have like a house to go back to. And like lots of people don't have that. So like hard work for you might be doing that or picking up an extra job to afford a horse. But for other people, it might be working those two jobs and having problems putting food on the table, let alone affording a horse. So it's something to realize, like recognizing where you're more fortunate than others isn't downplaying the level of work you put in. It's just recognizing the fact that not everyone is capable of achieving what you have just by working hard. And in telling people that all they need to do to be successful is work hard, you're it, it's insulting because you're implying that if they haven't done it, they're lazy and haven't worked hard enough. So it's like a very problematic thing that happens all the time in the horse world. I've had it said to me a lot when I point out that horse horses are expensive and they're like, oh, well, if you just work hard, like I did this. And it's like, buddy, like... I don't, I, I have student loans. Like I, I, when I work hard, my money's going into paying off those, not buying a $80,000 horse, you know, like we need to learn about the value of money because it'll help diversify the sport and it'll help people realize how inaccessible it actually is because people are genuinely unaware of how absurd the amounts of money people put into the sport are. And then the other weird thing about horseback riding is that there's it's very taboo to do any sort of fundraiser for sport in here like people will ridicule and bully you if you do whereas you see things like team fundraisers and trip fundraisers per member of the team where they'll like sell like food and like have bake sales or just accept donations so that they can go fly to like I don't know, somewhere else to play their team sport. And yeah, it's a team sport, but the fundraisers are per individual kid to get there. And the expenses for that trip are probably not much different than attending one show. So I find it weird that we're really accepting of crowdfunding and scholarships in other sports, but in the horse world, people want to shut it down immediately. And I think that speaks volumes of how inaccessible the sport is because we don't even want people who have nothing to try to get there and they'll just be like oh well like people are dying and you're accepting donations and it's like yeah Helen people are dying and they're getting donations to attend a show but you also spent a hundred thousand dollars on your show horse so you didn't care about people dying then but you're trying to shame someone for asking friends for a few dollars so they can go to their first rated show like it's all very ass backwards and the people with less often get shamed more if they look for help or they look for other options to try to make the sport work for them and at the end of the day, like this isn't to say that I agree for on like agree on crowdfunding for everything, but like at the end of the day, so long as someone is portraying what they're funding money for, honestly, it's not really any of our business. But I don't know. I find the disconnect in how we view doing the same thing for other sports versus how we view it for horses. I find that very odd. And I do think that there are easily ways that we could make the sport more accessible because we lack lots in the way of scholarships and The show fees are absurd. Like, for example, like I did a little math today and I posted it on my Twitter. I added the costs for Thunderbird show park for one week. I did the exhibitor fees, stall fees. um, What else? Oh, class. If a horse did eight classes for the whole week, which honestly is on the lower end. And I also picked the lowest class price rather than the nominations for like Grand Prix as well as the class heights. And it came to, like, if you if you just did this with one rider per horse, which isn't accurate because some horses have more than one rider at a show, but one rider per horse, only counting some of these expenses, not all of them, it came to, like, almost $800,000 net that the, that the show park would be bringing in. And that's for one show of the season for one week. It doesn't include golf cart rentals. It doesn't include RV rentals. It doesn't include the food they sell. It doesn't include their merch. It doesn't include schooling rounds. It doesn't include paddock rentals, mat rentals, shavings. Like I left out a ton of things. So the amount of money they're netting is way more than that. And this isn't to throw shade at them as a show park. It's just to reference how much money one show at one venue in the horse world on the rated circuit is bringing in. And I refuse to believe that out of all of these show parks across North America, out of all of these equestrian federations that we have, that they couldn't set a percentage of their worth 
that they're bringing in and put it into scholarship funds or programs that offer more affordable options to people below certain income brackets because the people that are able to buy $500,000 horses definitely are not struggling to afford the entry fees. And those people can happily pay the current rates of prices, but they should be doing things to make it more accessible for people who aren't super wealthy. And the amount of money that we get funneled into this is absurd. And there's definitely a means of doing better or at the bare minimum they could also increase prize money in classes so that there's actually something to be won at lower levels other than like the top of the top grand prix classes like i compare it to racing and i look into horse racing and how much money like the average normal race trainer like this is not someone competing at the top of the top because top level racing would be like comparing grand prix riders so we'll do like the people at the base level that would be comparable to like junior amateurs and like pros that are showing lower type thing they're spending less money to enter their races and attend like a weekend's worth of racing or a week's worth of being at the track than people are to go in classes where they win nothing. And at least the racing purses are starting at like $8,000. So like you win like a couple thousand dollars if you win the, the class or the, the race. And then people that are placing in it too also win something. So like there's more to gain from it, but also like for the most part, the fees per race are a lot less expensive than it would be to show. And racing is such a hugely wealthy sport as well. But then their funding is going into things like more research, the injury injury database where they track and record injuries. And it's allowed them very valuable statistics to use for figuring out what footings to use and what ages of horses and what types of horses are becoming injured the most. And I'm sure it's not cheap to do that, but they have it going into that as well as all of the purses that they give out and there's just way more to be gained if you are successful in racing versus if you're successful showing on the a circuit because you don't really win anything like you seldom ever pay for your show unless you've already ascended the ladder of showing to a point where you actually have a horse that's jumping high enough to win the high money prize classes like it's easier to win money at the rated fair sh- not uh, sorry the unrated fair shows than it is at a show that you're spending tons of money to be there and where they should have even more money to set these prize pools so it just it all boils down to the fact that I think people need to start realizing how absurd the costs are and how weird it is that like compared to other sports we have significantly less scholarship funds. We don't advertise our shows as much. If we did a better job of promoting horse sports to society and making them more accessible for people who aren't riders to come watch the shows as well as people who love horses to get involved and start participating in some way. If we made that more accessible, it would also bring in more revenue. So it's really sad that we've made it such an elitist thing. And that also feeds into the discrimination of ethnicities because this is something that also should, shouldn't be surprising to society, but like people of color, like especially black people, they're more likely to be living in poverty than white people. And this also trickles back to how they were enslaved and how, how they were segregated and denied jobs and still are. It makes it harder for them to, get to the middle class point that many white families have easily attained without the same concerns. So those people, riding's even less accessible because they're growing up with schools that have less funding. They're not in as nice of name. Like everything about their lives, if they're in those situations, is less funded than it is in white privileged neighborhoods. And the horse world's no different. So until we increase accessibility, we're probably not going to see a huge increase in representation at shows for that, like for one or in barns. The brands and stuff can do better because there are enough riders of color where they could find more models and they could advertise more people of color and show that our sport has more color than just white. And then that would also help young kids that are looking for role models that look like them to show them that they too can achieve the same things. So yeah, at its core, we are competing in a very privileged sport and it results in it becoming an echo chamber for privileged people to kind of make each other think that their problems and their woes are at the forefront of society and that no one else experiences worse things than they do. And it's rather sad because 
we could be doing so much with our sport and we could be being such good allies because so many of us have the means to do so, especially like financially or status wise, or even just using our white privilege to try to get people to listen because racist people aren't likely to listen to people of color, but they might actually finally be educated by one ally that just says something the right way to finally have it connect and resonate with them. So the problem is that like people try too hard to be impartial. They don't want to be a part of conflict, but justice generally requires some form of conflict because if you stand idly by and don't want to have an opinion on something, then you're guilty. And for me personally, like watching all of this unfold and how many horse people that I thought were my friends and that I respected say racist things blatantly or say closeted racist things and then blow up when they're called out on them. It's been sad and it's been, it's kind of even like made me reconsider if I wanted to be in this industry because do I want to work with people like that? And while I don't want to work with people like that, if people like me leave, then we're leaving people like that to their own devices to kind of shape the youth and set bad examples. So I think that like change is needed. And I do think the younger generation in general is going to be what brings that change because they've been doing a pretty good job of putting pressure on the older generations. And even if you go through like the Chronicle of the the Horse posts uh, on the recent blogs that were done about this movement, much of the not good, like racist comments that are like taking issue with the stance on equality, many of those comments are mostly from like middle-aged white people. Most of the younger generation, from what I've seen personally, has actually been quite good about speaking out, with the exception of some core influencers that don't want to be involved in conflict, which also, as I said before, is wrong. But it's pretty clear that the main demographic age-wise for these issues is the older one. And I think that the youth of today and like the new up-and-coming people that are going to take the spots of the middle-aged people in several years, they're the ones that can bring the most change. And I think we need to keep rallying people to do that so that they realize that like their voices, if they're in large enough numbers, they will be heard. And it's the same thing with cre- increasing accessibility. If enough people put pressure on their show organizations to do things to try to make it more accessible to people of different financial brackets and encourage like more diversity in the sport if enough people did that then there would be more pressure to change and same goes for like representation for people of different body types and increasing body positivity in the horse world and denouncing a lot of the body image issues that we enforce in rings like the equitation ring and whatnot um like for example in the horse world like people really promote like the equitation diet is actually a thing that like some trainers will try to encourage their students to partake in and it's essentially a starvation diet and there's just a lot of pressure to have a certain body type to be a good rider and then like even people who aren't heavy at all but may hold weight differently anyone who looks or strays from the traditional thin body they're at risk of having people claim they're too big for their horse regardless of whether or not they're like less or more than the average beanpole tall-sized man they just look at how someone's body looks and they assume that they must be too heavy and that's wrong because everyone holds weight differently and you have no idea. Like most people that are riding their horses, I do not think are riding them and being too heavy for them. But lots of people are shamed for their size on their horses. Like for God's sake, like I've even been told I'm too big for my horse and I'm five foot four and not heavy. So that just kind of shows how ingrained this is into our mindset. And it's very alarming to say the least because it encourages body image issues in young people. And yeah, I don't know. Even today, like I had someone lose their mind on me in my Instagram comments because I said that I didn't view it as a compliment for someone to point out that I am skinny now and that it's not a good thing to comment on people's weight because it can be really triggering for people who have eating disorders. And if I had an eating disorder and someone told me that because I've lost weight due to stress that I look better than I did before, if I had an eating disorder, I think that would probably trigger me to eat less. So when I call these things out, it's not even that they necessarily affect me. It's that if someone does these things to someone who it will affect, it'll do so much more damage. And it's easier to have 
someone correct your behavior before you hurt someone than it is to wait until you're hurt. So this is the same purpose of how you'd be an ally with regards to race or diversity in other ways. That's how you would be an ally is you'd be the person who corrects people and uses your platform for good even though it doesn't necessarily affect you because then you might get through to someone before they potentially hurt someone else or cause lasting damage in some way or another. And we all have the capacity to do that. And it'll it'll all come down to people realizing that there's certain ethical issues that you should not be silent on and that you can't really listen to both sides on because some sides don't deserve to be heard. Like racists don't deserve a platform. People who are homophobic don't deserve a platform. All of these people with those problematic views just need to learn how to shut up and that their views aren't wanted. Like you shouldn't just spew hateful views because they serve no purpose other than hurting people. Whereas correcting people for their racism or problematic behavior, while it may hurt their feelings, the intention is to fix the behavior and make the world a better place. And it's been long enough. Like it's time for the world to change because like the more you learn about like all of the horrors of our history and like what we have done and continue to do even in North America where like Canada and the US are viewed as like first world countries with like freedom and so great but there's a lot of problems there still and they're problems that are largely ignored by the population if they don't affect them personally and it's time to bring light to those issues. And if you have a platform, you can do that, which is why I wanted to make this podcast. And then like, I suppose the last thing I will personally reference is with regards to a personal situation that affected me. So the last thing that I want to talk about is like how I have experienced some racism, even as someone who is white passing. And this happened very recently. It was definitely due to the Black Lives Matter movement, increasing tensions and how people advocating for racial equality kind of ignited a fiery rage in people who are closet racists that claim they're not racist but for whatever reason it upsets them to think of the idea of all ethnicities being treated equally so anyways for the last couple of years i have worked for a number of clients um some of which i have stayed with for those years and this person was more of an employer than what i would call a client and they were a trainer that i worked with and someone that I had initially respected and thought respected me as a person, but that kind of all got thrown out the window after this interaction. I wrote a pretty extensive Facebook post regarding this, so I'm not going to go in complete detail, but basically I've been very outspoken about the Black Lives Matter movement and the racial equality movement, both on my Facebook and Instagram, as well as Twitter, and anyone who follows me on those platforms probably knows where I stand, especially people who know me personally. So to put that in perspective, that kind of sets the tone for how unacceptable it was for an employer to bring this up in the workplace. And I say that because I was not the one who brought this up. I do not bring up topics like that at work unless they come up in conversation from someone else. Like I'm not going to start talking to my employer and chastising him about that when it has nothing to do with what's going on. But anyways, he brought it up and he was saying like how he like thought the police brutality was horrible and blah, blah, blah. And at first, like I thought he was going to be an ally. So I was like, yeah, that's great. But then the conversation took a turn where he started saying like all lives matter and that like the cops also have brutalized his kids and that, like, black people need to stop looting and breaking stuff, and that it's not the way to do things, and that they don't experience disproportionate racism, and that racism doesn't exist in the horse world. And during all of this, I was calmly refuting it, and just, like, saying, like, well, actually, like, the statistics are still disproportionate. Your anecdotal evidence of your children being discriminated against isn't enough to say that this doesn't exist, because that's just anecdotes, and so on and so forth. And then it got to the point where, like, at the end of this discussion, like he was just like let me ask you something and I was like okay and then he was like do white people have a reason to be afraid of black people and I was like yeah if they're racist and then he asked me that same question like two or three more times and I gave the same answer and then he went quiet sat down on the mounting block I was like thank god is this over like is he finally shutting up did he finally agree like that I have 
a right to an opinion after I've talked about all of my family's history, like how my dad's side of the family escaped from slavery and that's why we live in Canada and listed off all these references of what has happened to my dad personally as well as other people in my family. I thought it was over. Nope. He leaps up off the mounting block in a fiery passion <laughs> after like maybe two minutes. It felt like a long time, but God, God, who knows? And just says, you know what? Like, now I'm pissed off. You called me an uneducated racist. And I definitely, like, those words, exact, those exact words never came out of my mouth. I just said, if you think white people have a reason to be afraid of black people, that they are racist. Because most of the serial killers that have gotten really famous are white men. And much of the school shooters in the U.S. were white men. I do not use that as an excuse to discriminate and be afraid of all white men and say that we have an, a reason to be afraid of them regardless of how they treat people. So I never said that, but I said if he feels that way, that he's racist. But I didn't even reference him specifically. Just if you're afraid of black people just because they're black, you're racist. So he took the shoe and he wore it like Cinderella and then he told me to get the fuck out. And so like at this point, I so wanted to go off. Like I was angry. So like he grabs the horse's reins for me. Basically, as soon as I get off, I'm like rolling my eyes and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like this grown ass man who's like old enough to be my dad easily threw a tantrum over me, not wanting to say that black people deserve the fear that white people have of them, which is honestly probably the contributing factor behind these police just murdering them, is that there's a fear or uncertainty for some fucking reason that has just continued on from slavery and from us being total dicks to people of color. But yeah, it stems from that. So anyways, he tells me to get the fuck out. I leave and wait by the car because I'm with Janae, who also works with me. She heard the whole thing. And while she's in there alone finishing untacking her horse, he's trying to get her on his side and, like, say that I said this to him and, like, just being quite manipulative. But anyways, so neither one of us has gone back since then because of this interaction. And it's something that really pissed me off because I was under the impression that this person respected the work I did and respected my heritage and was a welcoming and kind person promoting equality. But that was all smoke and mirrors and it was quickly realized in that interaction and then that ruined like a relationship over two years completely because after that I was like fucking forget it I'm blocking them on everything I'm not having anything to do with these people deleting their phone numbers not not having it like I'm not going back to work I refuse to um and the hard thing with the horse world with stuff like this is like in the in the states if we had safe sport it would be easily something you could report to that but like when you're working in the horse industry, like there's no like HR that you can contact. There's not really any organizations that you can contact and have addressed this. So like these behaviors are exhibited frequently by trainers, maybe not to the same extent where they're firing people, but where they get away with saying blatantly racist and not okay things or like fat shaming comments and so on and so forth. Like you see it all the time and it's justified because people are like, oh, trainers are allowed to be mean. Like that's how he trains. Like with George Morris, we saw it justified all the time like I literally watched him call someone fat in his clinic in front of everybody and this girl was not fat anyways people justify that behavior the fat shaming the racism the mistreatment of others under the guise of like this is the horse world and frankly if that's the horse world we should all fucking hate the horse world because that's gross if we're all bullies in the horse world and we justify bullying each other and being unkind and cruel under the guise of it being training that's bullshit and that's not a world we should support so at at the end of the day, the problem is that we as people are way too okay with mistreatment occurring right under our noses in the horse world. It's it's extremely common in lessons. It's common in barns. It's common at shows. We see it in clinics. We see it justified online. We see people mistreating each other in the comments online, making fun of their riding and saying, oh, that's the horse world. If you didn't want to have this happen, why'd you post? And they put the blame on the person for receiving the cruel remarks rather than taking accountability for their behavior. And I think this is also why the reaction to people being called out on their silence regarding the racial rights movement is so extreme and why they victimize themselves is because they always want to push the blame elsewhere instead of acknowledging the problematic behavior that exists at its core within the horse world that we continue to justify that we see in magazines because Chronicle of the Horse did it where they posted Sophie Goachman's 
post. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Sophie, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. But she did a she did a beautiful post on racism in the horse world, and it was great. Chronicle the Horse posts this, and everyone's like, yay, Chronicle the Horse, you're addressing this. But then they post another one by Missy, whatever the last name is, where she's basically saying racism doesn't exist, and as a white person, I'm saying this doesn't exist. It's all bullshit type thing. So the reason why that's problematic is because essentially what they were doing is appealing to both sides. They posted Sophie's article and made it seem like they were on the side of the Black Lives Matter movement, but then they had to voice the other side that honestly shouldn't have been heard. They shouldn't be giving a privileged white woman the platform to say whether or not people experience racism, but they did. And the intent behind it, I think, would be to appease their more conservative followers that are closet racist and can't deal with the idea of race having equal, like ra- different races having equal rights. And like I said, it's it's disingenuine. It's it's crazy. Like we should not be trying to appeal and appease racist people. Like they should be uncomfortable. I welcome your you being uncomfortable. You should be because you're an asshole. And we see it way too much in the horse world. We justify bullying way too much in the horse world. We justify shitty behavior from people way too much in the horse world, especially if it's a big name behind what's saying it. We even go as far as like completely discounting cases of sexual abuse if it's someone we like. That's a top level rider. Like we completely write it off and ignore the fact that it could possibly exist and say that it must be a false claim just because the person's good at riding. Someone being a good rider, it doesn't mean they're a good person. I learned this the hard way myself and someone having like teaching good lessons or yeah just being in the horse world and doing a good job in their job in the horse world that does not mean they're not that that doesn't mean they're a good person like full stop we need to stop giving our professionals and like our role models in the industry so much power over us and just assuming that because they're good at their jobs or because they've made a name for themselves in their in the horse world that they are untouchable it's really toxic so yeah that is probably the large point of my rant is that it all comes down to the fact that we justify problematic behaviors in the horse world as well as in other aspects of society and we've done it for years we write it off as tradition because it's something we've grown used to but something continuing to occur and not be changed when it's bad is just sheer stupidity we shouldn't write it off just because we've allowed it to happen for this long it's inexcusable and we really need to stop being so lazy with our justifications because there's a lot of things in the horse world that are tradition that are honestly total shit like it's tradition to stall horses all the time and not have them go outside and justify it based off of their price that doesn't mean it's right there's lots of things that need to change in the horse world that are tradition but shouldn't be tradition and the only way we can grow is if we learn and grow from our mistakes and change and demand what's better and I think we could really start with making this industry more accessible to others and just having less tolerance for shitty behavior like if you see someone making insensitive comments racially or trying to weasel their way out of accountability when people reference their racial insensitivity like don't applaud them and say like oh you don't have to get involved you're doing a great job don't worry no they should be involved they should feel bad they should be called out stop not holding them accountable just because you like them as a rider they'll be a better rider and a better person if they're forced to come to terms with their behavior and be held accountable and learn why certain things aren't okay to say and learn why black people and other races are rallying for racial equality and justice so it's your job as like a friend as a follower as someone in the industry it's your job to not be complicit in shitty behavior and to be okay with like trying to correct people like honestly especially with your friends no one is going to correct your friends more nicely than you will so if you see them being stupid you should correct them because eventually they're going to say something dumb either in public in writing at work or something and it's going to come back to bite them in the ass way harder so if you do it nicely like you're going to be that person that will say something nicely and might make a difference before they totally screw up their lives and make it harder or either just don't learn and keep hurting people so Don't be afraid to call people out and don't be afraid to take a stance against injustice. Anyways, that's about all I have to say about this. Um, I've shared a lot of resources on my Facebook page and my Twitter page about the Black Lives Matter movements as well as on my Instagram 
And I'm happy to send people links and stuff if they want to read through like some of the specific occurrences recently for police brutality, as well as all of the other history of racism and whatnot. I'm happy to send people resources if they want to learn. And I hope that all of you guys get more comfortable with calling people out on their behavior because at the end of the day, these behaviors only exist because people are okay with it happening if everyone who said something insensitive or racist was called out for it every time they wouldn't keep having that behavior so that's one of the best ways you can be an ally especially as a white person is using your race your your white privilege to call people out on their racism don't let your friends be racist don't accept that you can do better, we can do better, and we can all also start putting more pressure on show organizations to do more stuff related to scholarships and trying to offer programs for reduced show fees to people that are below certain income brackets because I promise you there is enough money in the horse world to make this happen or at least start making it happen. They can do it, but the reason why they don't care is because there's not enough pressure for it, and right now they're appealing to the mass the masses of rich white people at the top, which is why you see these like news stations and media stations trying to post both sides of the articles because they don't want to pick a side, even though there's one side that is inherently right. And then there's one side that's inherently wrong because they're being racist. So yeah, this is a pretty heavy topic and I'm sorry, it might be boring to some of you, but it's an important one to hear. And I really hope that people become more educated and start to demand more from our society as horse people, because there's a reason why people view the horse industry as crazy and horrible. People outside the horse industry that talk to me all the time think that we're all shitheads. They think that horse people are assholes. They see how people treat each other on my Instagram, like in the comments, they see what people say to me. They see what horse people say to each other on videos and they think we're pricks. So let's change the public opinion of us and make it more accessible don't push away people who want to learn about horses or ride like welcome them and don't be such an asshole to people who are learning how to ride because people getting bullied for sharing their initial journey of riding when they're new like everyone is at some point in their life if they get mean comments that aren't helpful and only serve the purpose of being critical it pushes them out of the industry and not everyone is strong enough to repeatedly get thrown criticism like that and rise above it so like just do better it's your fault as the criticizer and the bully for being a bullying asshole it's not their fault for posting their content and everyone started somewhere so just think of it how like if you wouldn't want someone to do it to you then you shouldn't do it to someone else in the horse world when you're giving any form of criticism it's generally better to direct message someone rather than posting it publicly and if your criticism only serves the purpose of pointing something out and pointing out their problems and offering no advice, then it's just being a prick. Like you're not being helpful at all. And in general, like most of the time, it's not even necessary to give because a lot of these people have trainers and whatnot. So unless there's like a distinctive welfare issue or something, it's not even worth commenting. And even then with like my, the welfare issues I have a problem with, there's a reason why I just talk about them in extent or sorry, in excess on my platforms rather than commenting on individual postings that I do not like or do not agree with. Like it's better just to say it generally instead of targeting a singular person and making them feel attacked. Um, about something like that like education isn't going to really help if you just like slap someone in the face with it other than like racists deserve to be slapped in the face with it because they've had more than enough years to not be racist so throw education at them and have no tolerance for their bullshit because it's toxic and harmful anyways this is my podcast and i hope you guys enjoyed it have a great day and i'm sorry about the heavy nature of this but it's something that needs to be heard and it's something that's really frustrating because i've seen so many racist comments online the last couple of weeks and Oh my god, it is driving me bananas. So have a great day, everyone. Don't be racist. Be better.